The word says in Luke 18 and 1, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So today in closing this message or this series, we want to to talk about making prayer practical. Making prayer practical. How do we make prayer practical? And in that verse I just read in Luke 18, it really is an introduction to a parable that Jesus is telling the the, uh, disciples and those gathered about how persistence can bring about reward. And so persistence in prayer, that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. One of the fundamental things that happens to people when they think about their prayer lives is that, well, I've been praying, but God didn't answer. How long, pastor, do I have to pray? How many times do I have to pray? How often do I have to pray for, for in order to get an answer from the Lord? But I want to help you understand something. The Bible says pray and don't lose heart. Okay? So how long? As long as it takes. Amen. 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 And I, I'm also reminded that, you know, one of the, the fruits of the Spirit is to be long-suffering. And how long is long suffering? I don't know. It's just long. (laughs) I can't tell you how long long suffering is. It's just long. And so in the same vein, when we talk about prayer, we have to be willing to to not lose heart in our praying. We want to be persistent in our prayers. So how do we make prayer practical? When we consider the idea of how to make prayer practical, it is important that we work from a solid definition of the word practical. One of the definitions of this adjective is of, pertaining to, or concerned with ordinary activities, business, or work. And so practical means it's something that's a part of your ordinary activities. Uh, The root word of practical is practice. And practice is something that you do over and over again and hopefully to gain a skill at what you're doing. Uh, Nobody becomes a professional athlete and they don't practice. You can have all the natural talent in the world, but if you don't practice, you will not refine and improve your skill. In many ways, prayer is the same. You can have all of the elocution and all of the ability to speak properly and have all of the eloquence that one could ask for, but if you don't practice praying, that means very little. Amen. And so, and so practice is a part of, uh, of being practical in our prayer. It becomes a part of our daily activities. So when we apply this to prayer, it simply means that prayer should be or become a daily practice in our lives as believers. And we should pray not only because we feel we have to, as in a crisis, There are many of us that are driven to our knees, driven to prayer by crises in our lives. And I'm not suggesting today that you shouldn't pray in a crisis, but that ought not be the only time you pray. You shouldn't pray just because you feel you have to pray, but we should pray because we desire to pray. We want to pray. We should desire a dialogue with our God, 
Who wants to serve a God and be submissive to a God that you don't talk to? Who wants to serve a God who, who, who we refuse to conversate with? Our God is so personal to us that he literally enjoys having conversations with his people. Go through the Bible and see how much God likes talking to folks. You'll see many times, and the Lord God said, because God likes to conversate with his people. Uh, in, the, in the life of Abram, he changed his name later to Abraham. In his life, God spoke to him often. When you look at people like Moses, God spoke to him often. Uh, when Moses died, uh, the people had mourned, and Joshua was then in leadership. And what did God say? He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, we need to have a conversation. Moses is dead. Now you get up and lead these people across this river. Moses dead, and I know he's dead because I buried him myself. Amen. And by the way, if God says you're dead, it's pretty likely that you're dead. <laughs> Amen. And so, and so God is a God that loves to conversate with his people. When we pray, we must know that God wants to talk with you. He wants to conversate with you. He wants to dialogue with you. He wants to speak to your heart. One of the most difficult things is when the enemy convinces us that God is not listening, that God doesn't want to hear. Anybody ever felt like that? Just throw your hand up real fast. Don't let anybody see it. It's just... The enemy gets you in the mindset that, that God really isn't listening to your prayer because it doesn't seem like anything is happening right now. And God says, I'm listening. Every step of the way, I hear your prayer. But sometimes, brothers and sisters, there is a bigger picture at stake than you just getting what you asked for. There are times when God wants to know in his heart the feeling of what it's like when you live by faith. And we shared this in Bible study yesterday that, that when you live by faith, God wants to know what that feels like. God desires to know what it feels like when his people live by faith. Now, he could have forced us to live a certain way, to choose him, but then that wouldn't be faith, now would it? Because faith is a decision to trust God that we make. And God loves to hear and to see his people trusting him and living by faith. So guess what he does? Every now and then he gives you some opportunity to prove that you have faith. Huh? That's right. Going back to Abraham, that's what it was about going to the mountain with Isaac. Take your only son and take him up to the mountain and I want you to kill him. God, are you kidding me? kill my only son, the son of promise. And God wants, God's saying, I want to see where your faith is. I want to see if you trust me. And Abraham took Isaac to the mountain with the intention of killing him as difficult as that would have been. But God got this overwhelming sense of joy and said, here's a man that trusts me. So therefore, since I know that he trusts me, he doesn't have to kill his only son. All he needs to do is look and there's a ram in the bush. Somebody ought to say something right there. God provides. 
because he's joyful that we trust him. And so, and so when we look at this, we look as God desires to, to, to talk with us, to dialogue with us, to speak to our hearts in prayer. Now, uh, pastor and author Tim Keller says this about prayer. He says, you can't really know yourself without getting the perspective that comes from being in the presence of a holy God. This means... To really know ourselves, we venture on a journey of self-discovery through prayer. So how does prayer, and this is a practical tip, how does prayer help me know myself? Let me give you a couple ways in which that happens. First of all, prayer reveals the nature and character of God. So how does that help me know myself? I know myself better when I know who God is. Amen? I, I get, you know, and humanity can kind of give us a high and convoluted and puffed up view of ourselves. But when you really pray, you, you see the nature and character of God, that God is holy. And when I see God as holy, I recognize just how unholy I am. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. The other thing that prayer does is prayer opens my heart to understanding my purpose. And so in in praying, my heart then becomes open to hearing uh, and receiving God's purpose for my life. I'm convinced that more people don't share the gospel because we're not praying. Now watch this now. You're saying, but pastor, I'm praying. But are you praying for God to reveal to you or to, to, to speak to you about your purpose? If we're really praying, the Holy Spirit wants to say to your heart that you are designed and created to duplicate yourself. And how do I duplicate myself? Well, I share the gospel with other people. That same gospel that saved my life, I want to share with others so they too may be saved. That's why God, that's the purpose that God has given to us. Now, prayer also provides the foundation for achieving that which God has destined. That which in your life is destined, prayer provides the foundation for achieving that. How many missteps have you taken simply because you didn't pray? Too many for me to count. I thought I was like Ford Motor Company. I had a better idea. <laughs> and I, and I, wanted, I wanted to do what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. And God has said, no, that's not the way I have for you to do it. And I love this about God because he'll just step back. Have at it. <clears throat> do it your way. And then, watch this now. Let's get back to that crisis praying. <laughs> now I'm in a crisis And I'm saying, Lord, help me. And I thank God for his mercy and his grace because even in my crisis that I created, he will help me. And so so here's this thing. Prayer tells me the foundation or sets that foundation for achieving that which God is destined. Prayer reminds me of the price that was paid for my sin. As I pray and I say the words in the name of Jesus... That reminds me that I can pray in Jesus' name because of the cross. 
I can pray in Jesus' name because he paid a price to repair my relationship with the Heavenly Father. If it had not been for the cross, I wouldn't be able to pray the way I pray. If it had not been, oh, I wish I had a witness. If it had not been for the cross, I couldn't do what I do in his name. But it's because of the cross. And so prayer reminds me of the price paid for my sin. Prayer places my future in the right perspective. There are people sitting in this room today. You've been worried about your future. 2007, 2008, when the economic collapse happened and we went into recession as an economy, I saw more worried Christians than I've ever seen. Believers, worried. Oh, I lost equity in my house. Oh, I lost my job. Well, I say when you're praying, you're reminded of scriptures like Psalms 24 that says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The cattle on a thousand hill belong to God. All the silver, when I get to yours, just say something. All the silver and all the gold belong to him. And so if it's all his, why am I worried about the leading economic indicators? Why am I worried about what the stock market is doing? Prayer helps me put my future in the proper perspective. Because many times the enemy wants to remind you of the difficulty you're having. And every time he reminds you of your present pain, remind him of his future. Prayer tells me that this too shall pass. Prayer tells me, this is for somebody in here today. Prayer tells me that whatever I'm going through is a going through and not a staying in. So you got to understand, when you're going through, that's a temporary situation. That means I start here and I'm going out the other side. There's light at the end of the tunnel. That Jesus is the light of the world. That's the light that I have to know that my situation is temporary. The old saints used to say it like this. One of these old days. By and by. We are going to be with Jesus And they didn't have a lot of theological training, but they knew that their future was in the proper perspective. No matter what the hardship would be done. The old Negro spiritual said, soon I will be done with the troubles of this world. And I'm going home to be with my Lord. Hallelujah. And so, and so. The, 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 those are the, some of the things that, that prayer helps me do. Now, now I, I promise you that we would do some practical things today. And so I'm going to give you about 10 things real quickly. And uh, I think we might get them on the screen. If we don't, uh, we make copies of these so that if you want copies of them, we can even make more copies uh, today. And uh, they're, they're on the copier. So I'll tell our, our greeters they're on the copy machine back there. Um, if you want to get copies of these, we'll give them to you after worship in case we can't get them on the screen and you can't write them down uh, that quickly. And so uh, here are 10 things that will help make prayer practical in our life. First, choose a specific place to pray away from distractions 
so you can concentrate. Too many times our prayer life, our prayer life is filled with distraction. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times where you got to get that prayer out right then. But if you want to be deliberate in your prayer, choose a specific place. If your children are upstairs, go downstairs. Amen. If, if your children are awake, wait till they're asleep. But choose a specific place to pray away from distractions so you can concentrate. Ringing phones and crying children will sabotage your quiet time before it gets started. Now, children don't, don't mean to do that. They just don't. They're just being children. That's how it is. You know, before I came to Bethel in my previous ministry, we used to keep all the babies in the worship. And I had to learn how to preach over crying babies. That was fun. Amen. Amen. They just children. Amen. Children just do that. They do that. And we used to call them our hallelujah babies. They wait till I get to a good point in the sermon. They ah, say hallelujah, baby. All right. Our praise babies. And so, and so I, I, my point is, is that though when you want to get really into that prayer and that quiet time, you have to do it in such a way that you don't have any distractions. Turn your cell phone off. I didn't realize I was addicted to my phone. But if they had like a phone anonymous, <laughs> a 12-step program to get you off the smartphone, <laughs> I probably, that, that sounds like a ministry we might have. <laughs> it's just, it's a, a, you know, because I, I, I realize how much I look at my phone all day long. Don't you do it? Come on, just throw your hand up real fast. People think you're holy, but they, you don't want them to know that you're addicted as well. And all day long. We're looking. We're checking. Oh, got a Facebook notification. Hold on, Lord, I'll be right back. I've got to answer this. This is serious. <laughs> So-and-so responded to your status. I got to see what they're saying. <laughs> and that's what we do. And so I'm saying, turn it off. Take it away from you. you put it aside. Because you need quiet time without distraction to pray. So practical prayer begins really with that finding that quiet time and space where you can concentrate on prayer. Now, here's another one. Number two, pray at the same time every day, if at all possible. This helps you form a regular routine in your prayer life. Pray at the same time every day. If it is better for you in the morning before your spouse rises out of bed, you get up and you go and pray and do it every day. D.L. Moody, who was uh, uh, Moody Bible Institute is named after, is, is a wonderful example of the power of a healthy prayer life. D.L. Moody used to pray pretty much at the same time every day. And let me tell you how powerful his prayer life was. He had a situation where they needed $20,000 for ministry. Now, $20,000 in that time was like $2 million now, something like that. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But, but it was a lot more. It was a lot more today in terms of real dollars. And, and 
And uh, R.A. Torrey was a partner of D.L. Moody in ministry. And, and he came to R.A. Torrey and he said, he said, listen, he said, we need $20,000. And R.A. Torrey knew that D.L. Moody knew people that could write a check for $20,000 in a heartbeat. I mean, he knew people like the Vanderbilts and all those folks, the, the railroad barons of those days, the steel industry barons of those days. And he, all they had to do is go to them and say, give me $20,000. And they would have written, written a check right away because they believed in the work that he was doing. But D.L. Moody told Ari Torrey, I'm not going to ask anybody for this money but the Lord. And D.L. Moody went into prayer and he said, Lord, you know our need is $20,000 for your work here on earth and I and, and we need you to bless us with this twenty thousand dollars and D.L. Moody prayed and God had somebody bring him twenty thousand dollars we need to learn to depend on God see here's the thing you can ask somebody else and they might give it to you but you might be asking the wrong person they might require more than what you're willing to pay in return. Amen. See, D.L. Moody asked God because God would send somebody that wouldn't demand that a plaque be put on the church building with their name on it. God would send somebody that wouldn't demand that you announce it in front of the whole congregation. And so D.L. Moody was very clear that God will send the right person with this need being met. And so if you have, your prayer life becomes more powerful when you make it regular every day. Set aside that time for you and God. You know, we do a lot of talking about setting aside time for people, don't we? Married couples always talk about we got to have date night. We got to set aside time for our marriage, for it to be fruitful and rich. Well, why wouldn't you do the same for your relationship with God? Now, I know you love your spouse, but I mean, you know. They didn't go to the cross for you. <laughs> they may think they did, but <laughs> my mother's like, wait a minute now. I, just, <laughs> I bore a lot of sins for this guy right here. But, <laughs> but you, when you think about, you think about it, we protect time with people more than we protect our time with God. So we put God on hold. So we can go do other things with other people. And I'm saying as a prayer point, as a practical application, protect your time with God. Make it the same every day. What would it be if your your wife, men, answered the phone and they answer that phone and, and somebody said, hey, can I speak to Abel? And Sophia says, he's in his prayer time right now. They call back the next day. Hey, can I speak to Abel? He's in his prayer time right now. Same time. And the reason is because it would send a great message that my prayer time is uninterrupted. So you might as well not call me at this time because I'm going to be talking to God. And I can't talk to you when I'm talking to God. Look at somebody and say, I know that's right. So here's, here's the next thing. Number three, pray out loud. Now, I know some of us are very quiet kind of people, and we, we don't necessarily want to make a ruckus when we're praying. And so we think our prayer. We'll be sitting there, and we'll be thinking prayer. 
Father in heaven, I need, oh, I'm talking out loud, thinking. And I'm saying that one of the benefits of making prayer practical in your life is to not pray under your breath or in your mind for long periods. But for most of us, when you do that, it's a quick ticket to dreamland. <laughs> you ever really tried to, to pray in your mind in bed at night? Your intentions will be good. Lord, I know I'm going to pray tonight. I'm turning the TV off. I'm serious about this prayer. And you in your mind just start praying. Next thing you know. Because you set yourself up for failure in a sense because of not praying out loud. When we pray out loud, we have to form intelligent sentences. We have to concentrate more on what we're praying about. And we concentrate more on who to whom we're praying. God deserves your out loud prayer. He deserves you to be able to say that, Lord, I'm calling on your name in Jesus' name. Now, if you're in a board meeting... Might not be the best time to stand up on the table and start praying. But in the, in the, unless you have that kind of faith. <laughs> You've got that kind of faith, it's going to be all right. Then, you know, Christian, get on up at U.S. Steel and pray in front of the board. That's a, but, uh, but so that, that's, a, that's, a, that's the ideal. Pray out loud so that you can keep focused, so you can, you can say those intelligent sentences to God. He wants to hear your voice. Number four, keep a notepad handy so that you can jot down different things that come to mind when you're before the Lord. You're praying. And there are things that God is speaking to your heart. The Holy Spirit is leading you in a place in your prayers. Write down those things that God is speaking to your heart. Because you know what? The human mind is like a leaky vessel. You know, there are times where we say, I'm going to remember that. You know, I found out that as I get older, the mind changes, doesn't it? I mean, I have no problem remembering what I did in sixth grade in Miss Skaggs' English class. But ask me what I had for breakfast yesterday. The mind is funny like that. These old, and I found this out, these old memories start coming back. Oh, yeah, I remember when I used to walk to Main Shrimp House in East Chicago, and after a game, we were eighth graders and all that. I remember that like it was yesterday. But I can't remember yesterday. And certainly can't remember anything my wife said. I mean, (laughs) don't y'all tell her I said that. I'm going to have to deny it. (laughs) Selective memory. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Men have that, don't we? That's right. So, so, you know, write, keep a notepad next to you. When you pray, write those things down so that you can get back to them as quickly as possible. Number five, make a list to keep track of your prayer needs. During the course of the day, you know you've got this time set aside to pray to the Lord. You've got a list of things that, that, that are needs in your life that you need to pray about because there are some things. Here's what this, this does for you. Writing those needs down keeps you from making them your problem. 
and realize that these are God's things that he needs to deal with in my life. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you're having difficulty in your relationship, write that down. Because the reason why it's not working for you is because you made it your problem. You keep it in your mind. Every day you're thinking about it. You've made it your problem. Write it down. That's a prayer need. If you need a job, write down you need a job. Stop making it your problem. That's not your problem. That's God's problem. Too many times we we get in trouble because we're in God's business. What is your problem? Your problem is to work the vision. God's problem is to make the provision. Huh? Huh? You work the vision. You do what God said for you to do. You share the gospel. God makes the provision. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And that becomes that should become a, a, a daily point for us in prayer. Keep, a tra- keep track of your prayer list. And write down things like, I'm praying for my church, praying for my family. Or I have unsaved friends that I need to pray for. And you can do it either by days of the week. You know, there, there are categories that you can put it in. Church, family, the home, media, government, education, business, commerce. You can even pray for arts and entertainment. Now, why would I be praying for arts and entertainment? Because some of these people in the entertainment industry, my, they need prayer. Amen? Every time you turn around, they've got crazy stuff going on. They need prayer. And so we ought to be praying for people in the entertainment industry. We ought not just shake our heads when we see things. We ought to be praying for them. The problem is they don't know Jesus. You know, Tony Evans said it like this. He said, why are we surprised when sinners sin? That's the definition of a sinner. Sinners sin by definition. The problem is when we have saints that are sinning more than the sinners who sin. And so, and so we have to understand that, that, that these folks need our prayers. So make a list of them. The next thing, redeem time for praying out of unused corners of your schedule. Look at your weekly schedule. What are the times that are not used? You know, some of us are so into time management. And I love that. That's good. Fantastic. You know, but I often wondered, I wish I could manage time to kind of like roll back some of the clock. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's some things I would do differently in life. Amen. But, but we look at this and we're so into managing our time. You have corners of your schedule that are unused. Reserve those times for prayer. How do you find time? Look at your schedule. You've got time that's unused. Here's the thing. Those of you who have to drive to work can use the time talking with the Lord instead of screaming at the person in the car next to you that can't hear you anyway. (laughs) I know nobody in here does that, right? (laughs) What are you doing? Come on. You pass those people on the road, and you'd be like, there's a crazy person in that car. They seem to be screaming. (laughs) So use that time to pray. It'll help you with your road rage. (laughs) Now, just don't close your eyes. Unless, of course, you have that kind of faith. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't leave it today driving with your eyes. Go to my pastor Ray said, I got that favor. <laughs> so you can, 
You can do things. If you're, if you're a homemaker, you know, while you're doing your, 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 your work around the house, you can use that time to pray. Use that time to pray. I, I, my, my, my father's mother, my grandmother, when I was a little boy, used to be around the house, and, and, and she used to keep me after school. And there'd be times where she'd be in the kitchen washing dishes or preparing a meal, and I would just hear a conversation going on. Now, I'm a little kid at this time, and I know in my mind there's really nobody here but me and her. And it, by the nature of the conversation, it didn't seem like she was talking to me. <laughs> and so one day I got the boldness to walk in the kitchen. I got to see who Grandma talking to. And I go in the kitchen, there's nobody there but her that I can see. Amen. And so I asked her, I said, Grandma, who are you talking to? There's nobody in here. Is everything Okay. <laughs> And she turned to me and said, boy, I'm talking to the Lord. And while she's preparing dinner, she's talking to God. She's praying to God about the things in her life. I hear her praying for people that have been sick. There are people who have been hurting. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful woman to while she prepares a meal to be able to pray for other people. And to be thankful for what God is doing. So redeem that time. Number seven, watch this now. Change the pace during your prayer time. Too many times our prayer life can become very rote. And what I mean by that is it's so routine that you use the same words all the time. You do it the same way every day. And and I understand that that might work for you, but change that pace up a little bit. You know, uh, when I was growing up, we had deacons that you always knew as, as kids, we would sit there and we could say the word and they prayer right with them. Because we knew on Sunday morning it was the same prayer. This morning, Heavenly Father, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> it's once more and again, a few of your handmade children have gathered together. And so we knew what the prayer was. And I'm not, and, and that was an effective prayer. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying to you is, is that in your personal prayer life, change it up a bit. Start off not complaining about your circumstances, but praising God for your life. Make up in your mind that today I'm not asking God a thing till I get through thanking him for everything that he's done. Now, by the time you get through thanking him, you have forgot about your crisis. Huh? Think about that. By the time you get through starting with what all God has done in your life and giving him praise for that, it seems like what seemed like a giant crisis is now very small. Wait a minute. I got a God that got me out of some mess back in 19. That was bigger than this. I got a God that fed me when I was hungry. I didn't know where I was. my next meal was coming from. And I'm worried about this. Change up your prayer life. Change it up. Spend some time singing. And don't worry if you can't sing like me. You're supposed to be by yourself anyway. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And I like to think of the Holy Spirit as that fine tuner. It takes my out-of-tune voice and puts it in. By the time the father hears, it's very melodious, Kendall. I'm just, I'm thinking my father in heaven saying, that boy can sing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) And And so spend some time 
doing that. Read, reflect on scripture, meditate, digest this meaning during your prayer time. The next one, keep a prayer journal. Here are two variations of this idea. The first is to keep track of what you prayed for and when you prayed for it. So you write down, I prayed for this, and this is the time I prayed for. Leave a space to jot down the answer when it comes. Now, understand that the answer might be no. Doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean he's given up on you. The answer just might be no. So, so look at this. So, so sometimes, sometimes this will help you keep you alert to God's answer. Sometimes prayer answers come in the back door and you don't want them to slip by you. The second variation is to write the entire prayer in your journal. Maybe you want to write down everything you pray to the Lord. Make it a personal letter to the Lord and say, dear Lord, uh, instead of dear diary. Amen. And so you want to make it a prayer to him. The next one, pray with someone else. Pray with someone else. Though some prayers can only be said in solitude, there will be times when you will want to join hearts with one another or another person in prayer. If you commit to meet on a regular basis, the accountability can really help build consistency. Such prayer groups can become powerful, life-changing events. Get you a prayer partner. Now, let me just say this caveat. When you have a prayer partner, it is not about impressing the other person with your diatribe in prayer. You don't want to be saying, do you go first? So I can outpray you. Amen. You know, in the back of your mind, I know I can pray better than that. I, that's not what a prayer partner's for. When that person's praying, you ought to be praying with them. You ought to be agreeing with them in prayer. Everything that is good and righteous, you ought to agree with. Now, you might not agree with, Lord, give me the winning lottery numbers. Not sure I'm going to agree with that prayer with you, but, but get you a prayer partner and understand how important that can be. Finally, pray one sentence prayers. If the thought of laboring over a topic wears you out, pray short, sincere prayers instead. A sentence or two may be all that's needed to exhaust the topic for you for the time being. And if so, just move on to the next item without feeling guilty for being brief. A lot of times we think that God needs to hear a whole lot from us. That somehow, if I just say, Lord, help, that that's ineffective because I didn't say enough. Sometimes that's all I can muster. Sometimes in the depth of my hurt, all I could say is, Lord, have mercy. Sometimes in my pain, all I can say is, Lord, I need you. I don't need to have a long, drawn-out prayer. Sometimes it's all I could do just to say Jesus. And so, don't think you have to impress God with much words. The Lord is more concerned with what's in your heart than what is coming out of your mouth. Because he knows that heart is what's driving things. He knows in your heart, if it's not right, if you're praying a self-righteous prayer, God's not, not dealing with that anyway. If you're praying to impress him, God's not dealing with that anyway. 
All right, I got, I got five minutes that I want to I share quick things with you here. Five minutes. Sometimes we fail to make prayer practical because we are unsure for which we should pray. Have you ever been stuck during a time of prayer? Of course. We can always find personal needs for which to pray. But what about other prayer needs? I want to give you a couple of suggestions to take with you today that will help you know what to pray for, for that which you should pray. Pray for the harvest. What would happen if God's people took that passage in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, 38, seriously? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Pray for the harvest. Pray for national and local leaders of government. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, I urge you that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. I don't care if you didn't vote for somebody. Pray for them. You ought to pray for every leader. Amen. And I'm not just talking about your pastor. Pray for your councilman. Pray for your precinct committeeman. Pray for your governor. Pray for your mayor. You ought to pray for every leader. Maybe some of the vitriol in this country would cease if we start praying for folks instead of criticizing so much. And I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I'm saying that we have to start praying for our leaders. Watch this now. Pray that God will open doors. And by the way, I knew it was going to be quiet on that one. I'm throwing that in for free. Pray that God will open doors for the ministry of the word. Colossians 4 and 3 says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God may open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Pray for those who have mistreated you. Forgive them. Matthew 18 and 35. Bless those who, I'm sorry, Luke 6 and 28. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Matthew 18, 35. So shall my heavenly father also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. You hold unforgiveness in your heart. You need to be praying to release that unforgiveness. Pray that you may do no evil. 2 Corinthians 13 and 7 says, Now we pray to God that you do no wrong. The next one, pray that your love may abound toward all people. In Philippians 1 and 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. And finally, pray that your whole spirit, mind, and body be preserved blameless. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 says this, Now may the God of peace sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray in everything. Give thanks. In every season, give thanks. Make prayer a practical part of your life.